Well, let's do this. Let's turn to Psalm 40. We have been in the Psalms for some weeks now, which um, has been, I'll say, it's been a joy because we don't, honestly, we haven't taught out of Psalms for a while. And it's not our norm. We usually go through a book of the Bible in total. Uh, Psalms would take us like 35 years to go through, so we haven't done that. Um, But we've picked some Psalms and gone through them for the first part of our summer before we get into another series. And so um, I'm excited to talk about this one. It's um, one, to be honest, that I haven't read very much or thought through very much. And so um, it's not like, you know, Psalm 23, many of us have heard, even if we don't know we've heard it. Um, 139, similar, one night to all, all those we've, we've kind of, oh, that's familiar. Or, Ooh, that's interesting. Um, this might be for you. It, it has not been for me. So it was a joy to like kind of walk through this past week or so um, to, to look at. So let's look at it together. Um, Okay, so let's do this. Let's get into um, Psalm 40, and it says this. To the choir master, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord. God inclined to me, or God inclined to me and heard my cry. God drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the one who, um, who makes the Lord their trust, who does not turn to the proud, to all those um, who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim you and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told about. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. That's a beautiful phrase we're going to talk about for sure. You have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. So then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. So we're going to pause there. That's the section we're going to talk about so we don't go for too long. Um, but there's a few things I want us to discuss and to know about. And the, the first one, I think, we can all um, understand or at least find a commonality with is this first sentence. Um, I waited patiently for the Lord, and God inclined to me and heard my cry. This idea of patience. So um, you talked about having little kids. I also have two boys. One is nine, and the other one's about to be eight. And he is impatient about even being eight, which is awesome. Um, but I, I was telling them the other day, uh, they wanted, what did they want? Oh, they wanted ice cream during a movie. We were doing movie night at our house, and they wanted ice cream, as they always do. And I never had, like, desserts growing up as a little kid. We didn't have a lot of money for that kind of thing, and so we just, we never had, like, ice cream and stuff. So we try to have ice cream all the time. It's one of those things, like, if you didn't have it as a kid, you're like, we're having ice cream. I don't care if we just macaroni and cheese. We're having ice cream too, though. Like, that's how we finish every meal. And if they want ice cream, I'm like, yes. Well, this time we were in the middle of the movie. I actually liked the movie we were watching. It's Kung Fu Panda. I think it's the bomb. And so I was like, yeah, in a minute, you can have ice cream. We just started the movie. Just wait a little bit, and then I'll get your ice cream. And so then five minutes later, what was asked? Can we have some ice cream, right? I was like, hey, 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 in a minute, I'll get you ice cream. I promise I'm not going to forget. I'll get you ice cream. I promise, okay? I will get you ice cream. And so they waited a little longer. One and a half minutes later, Tovin was like, hey, about the ice cream. Did you forget about the ice cream? And I almost got angry. I was just like, hey, dude, you ate seven minutes ago now, right? 
just wait, you will have ice cream. I promise you, right? And I remember as a little kid, my mom doing the same thing with me, and she would say, and I don't add this, because again, it's something my mom did, I'm like, I'm not doing that. But she used to go, if you ask again, I'm not giving it to you. And I'd be like, oh, man. And what's the worry when your parent says that? That they're going to forget, and you're not going to get the thing, right? One time, I remember this very specifically, I wanted Fruity Pebbles, it's amazing. Um, and I asked for Fruity Pebbles, like in the middle of the day, probably, or something. She was like, in a little bit, you can get Fruity Pebbles. And so I kept asking, kept asking. She's like, if you ask again, you're not getting Fruity Pebbles. And I was like, it's a conundrum. Two hours later, she had totally forgotten about Fruity Pebbles, right? I'm saying two hours. It's probably like seven minutes. I have no idea. But it felt forever. She had forgotten about Fruity Pebbles. She had forgotten about it completely. And so I was like, Mom, man, I know you said, don't ask, but can I have some fruity pills? She goes, I was about to give them to you, but now that you ask, like, forget it. And I was like, no, liar, right? It was like injustice at the extent. But it's this idea of, of patience being something for us. I mean, we joke about Asher and Tova not having patience, right? Or me as a little kid having zero patience. We live the same way, right? We live in this idea, like, we um, have an opportunity to change our job. And so we're like, you know what? This time we're going to pray about it. We're going to see if we should do that, right? So we pray one night, and we're like, okay, I should know now. So I prayed for like three minutes. I thought about it for a little longer than that even. I'm going to know in the morning when I wake up. And then we don't. And we're like, oh, I'll do it one more time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's that impatience that drives us. This, this idea of waiting, we don't understand. And, and I, I want to read it again, and then I want to kind of but in the, the term that it would be in in Hebrew for us, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. God inclined to me and heard my cry. The idea there of waiting patiently for Yahweh in this translation would be, I waited knowing there would be an answer. It's an idea of assurance that God shows up. And, and I was thinking about this this week and um, I think a good posture would be, has, has anyone been to Mystic, Connecticut? Anybody ever? Okay, I lived near there for a little bit in a town called Stonington. Mystic's this like beautiful whaling town. I mean, they're not whalers anymore, but this old New England whaling town in Connecticut. It's beautiful. It's, I didn't live in the town because it was expensive. So, but it's wonderful. But a bunch of the old historic houses have this perch near the roof. It's like a dormer with a small porch, on like the third floor, and it always looks out towards the sea, all of them. None of them just face the front of the house. They'll, it'll be an awkward view, and you're like, why did the architect, what's that? Like, what, why is it facing this way? And I found out when I lived there, the wives of the sailors would build those in their houses because you send your spouse off to hunt whales and make money. You have no idea when they're coming back. They're not like, this trip will be 13 days, and then we'll return. No, they return if they get whales, and then they come back in. That's, that's it. There's no, you know, and there could be rough seas. There's no forecast. You don't know if it's storming out there. You don't have um, Apple weather to check and track and radar and all this. So what they would do, if it was just, if it had been a while, all the wives, every morning, would spend time on that perch looking for whaling ships coming back into town hoping that that day might be the day that their husband comes home safe and hopefully with a whale so that they can eat, right? 
And they would have to do that day after day after day after day, sometimes for a month, of going up to that perch and looking out as many times as the day as they had time, longing for their person to be home, hoping that nothing happened to them, hoping with all of them that they're coming back, right? It's, it's something we don't really have anymore, this idea. We talk on the cell phone if someone's on their way or whatever. But that is what they did. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I doubt very often that we wait like that. I doubt when we need an answer or when we need freedom from something in our life or when we are, are in a time where we just need to see God's face in our life. We need healing. We need hope. We need God to change the circumstance. We need to be cured of this worry we have had forever, this anxiety that played, whatever it may be. I doubt we wait like that. We pray twice, hope something good happens, and then we try to make it happen ourselves. That's how we work. We don't long patiently knowing there will be an answer. And I just, I, I, I've been struck by that this whole week. This, this idea of things that I hope for or things that I pray for, I don't go up to the wailing perch for it. I don't. I try to make the situation so that it comes out for my good, right? I try to step in and, and just make a decision in haste. I pray for it twice and realize, well, uh, God's not going to answer me like I want, so I'm just going to go with it and just hope it works out, right? God is always with me. We'll just see how it goes. And we rarely wait for the wailing ship, very rarely. But that's what the psalmist is singing to do. The psalmist says, I waited with a longing, knowing that there would be some answer of some kind. And God attended and heard my cry, right? This idea here. And so, and I'll, I'll read it some more. It says, God inclined to me, heard my cry, drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. A miry bog is this idea, you have this pit of destruction, which is obviously is what it is. It's a hole where you're destroyed. And it's awful, right? That's the idea. I was like, oh, what does that mean in the Hebrew? It means a pit of destruction. It's very easy to translate, right? The other, this miry bog, is in a situation of you can't get out of your circumstance. It's this, you're in a miry, but you can't move. It's like you're running in a dream, and you can't run fast, right? Or you're trying to protect someone, and you can't actually throw a punch, you know, in a dream, or you're driving, and it, it, it can't go. That's what that is. Um, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure, God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Here's what's interesting about that. This idea of placing our feet on a rock and then making our way secure. It's, that sounds great in and of itself, right? God like setting us from a miry bog to a place where you are upright and can walk, right? But actually, and I did not know this, the Hebrew word there refers to like planting. Like, like um, uh, like you're planting vegetables, which is weird to me that it would be because you wouldn't plant something on a rock, right? They thought, well, it doesn't work very well if you've tried that. It's not, and that's not the intention. It just gets messed up in translation. The idea there is that God takes care of us and sets us like this new life or a new beginning as one does planting a seed, which is beautiful in its own way, right? We go from this like patiently waiting, longing for God to answer. Please just show up in my life. Like, I need you. 
I need to have anything, something, a, a, a word, an encouragement from someone, any guidance we can have. And then God listens to it and then says, no, I care so much. It's like now I'm setting a seed in the ground gently with my own hands and then watering it and growing it. It's this idea of roots and stem being able to form. One Jewish commentator wrote about this. It's, it's almost like a picture. If you know how squash grows, it grows like real wide and wild. Like it, it just covers up everything, right? That the idea is for a plant similar to that. that it's, it's saying, I set you up to flourish, which is a, a beautiful thought. Much more even than saying, I planted your feet on a solid rock. It's an idea of, no, I took you personally as your God with my hands and put you in a safe place so that you might flourish. It's this idea of intimacy, of care, right? Some of you garden a lot. My wife does. I don't. I have no patience for this gardening situation. It's the patience thing again. But when Lily plants in the ground, it's such a caring thing, right? She has to stoop over, dig a hole, put a plant in, cover it just the right amount. Maybe she puts um, compost under it. it. It's this whole situation, right? Because she cares that it flourish. It, it matters to her. She's going to spend the time on it. She wants it to live and to bear fruit and to grow and do all these beautiful things. And we have the same language, which is interesting, right after, um, set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. That's the same language. And then this one also, Put a new song in my mouth. This one is one, interestingly enough, I, I, again, would not have known this at all, but it's this idea of fruit coming from a plant, like a plant singing fruit. Like this idea of, of bearing fruit because of the care that's been given to the plant. Which, again, I don't know how it translates to like a song in the mouth, but it's, it's nice that way too. But this idea that God like gives that to us Inside ourselves, another, another uh, translation um, that I read, uh, actually, yesterday morning, I think, was, was a new plant is put in our innards, which is an interesting way to say that God just puts something deep down within us that we can't stop. This, this idea of a song has to burst forth, that that's what God does. And, it, and again, it's beautiful that that comes after we are waiting patiently, longingly. As you wait, it's it's important for us to know because we've all been in situations we feel like we've waited too long, right? We feel like answer's not coming. Or maybe we chalk it up as, well, God's ways are not my ways, higher than my thoughts, all that kind of stuff, right? That, That, well, I guess I'll never know kind of thing. The way this psalmist, what this psalmist knows to be true is that even in the midst of that, um, in the midst of this difficulty of longing, this difficulty in patiently waiting, God is planting a seed with us and, and caring over it, stooping down with God's own hands to grow something that bears fruit, right? And the next line is incredibly important with that imagery. And it says this, 
God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. English doesn't do this either, but every other commentary that I've read that, that has Hebrew roots says, so that many will see and know and put their trust in the Lord. There's a so that. It's, it's, this, it's this common theme, especially in the Old Testament, that we hear all the time but forget or we ignore. This idea, right, and we talk about it a lot, but when God calls Abraham, what does God say? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your, your generations and your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, right? It's going to be amazing. But then what's the next line? I will bless you so that what? You will be a blessing. Everyone you bless will be blessed. The idea there is, is our blessing, our being answered, our being planted in a, with new life, with a new beginning, with, with new hope, all of that is for the sake of the community around us. Is that now we get to bear fruit, not just for us, but for everyone else. That, that comes in contact with us, that we get to enjoy, that we see every day, that we work with, that we eat lunch with, that you have happy hour with. All of those get to enjoy the blessing that God like restarts within us when we wait, when we long for God's presence, right? It's, it's the same idea of the mustard seed, right? We love saying that, oh, it's a small mustard seed, but then it grows into a big plant. Right after that, Jesus talks in that parable and says, so that the birds of the air will have a place to land and rest and so that the small creatures of the field can find shade and enjoyment and rest. It's this idea of anything God does with us is not just for you, although it is for you, right? That's part of the joy of it. We get to have God answer us. We, we get to have this wonderful replanting and this rebirth, but it's for, yes, not only us, but for everyone else around us. That's why we're in the moment. That's, that's why we enjoy that, so that we then can give that in-the-momentness, I guess, to everyone else, and we can have that joy spread around us, right? And then continues and says, blessed is the one who makes <clears throat> the Lord their trust, does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you, Right? multiplied them through what God is doing just to the psalmist, right? Through David and David's song. Multiplied now your good deeds. They're too many to count, right? It says, none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. It's a weird statement for David to say. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. I think this is also speaks to the human condition, right? Other translations are, you lent me an ear, right? That's a way. One of them says, you reopened your ear, which is interesting. One of them says, gave me your ear, which also is, is unique. It's like this involvement. But this idea, sometimes that we have, that... We can't give enough sacrifice or burnt offering or do enough good things or stop doing enough wrong things for God to hear us, right? We say, well, God's not hearing me because of the things I do or the things I've done or that I say or the things that I don't do, right? Or the things that I have not been able to accomplish 
or the things I have not, the way I have not been able to parent, or the way I have not been able to love my partner, or the way I have not been able to walk in a way we talked about last week of this idea of, of holding fast to purity of some kind, right? And we think that maybe God does not hear us. And here, David says, look, I gave you all the burnt offerings. I gave you all the things I could imagine. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And I thought those would do it. I thought if I just did enough stuff, if I gave you, if I sang loud enough in church or attended enough, or if I had a time in the morning of reading my Bible 34 days in a row, then that would be it. And then I would make it, and then God would answer me, right? And what does David say? No, no, no. The burnt offerings, the sacrifices, those didn't tilt the scale just for an answer. (laughs) Those were just for joy. Those were just for me and your company. You gave me your ear anyway. You you heard me every time. You you even enjoyed, and I love, that's why I love that translation of, of handing me your own ear. It was your joy to actually hear me. To say, no, have this. Speak directly into it so that we can have company, right? It's that, it's that imagery that, yeah, you didn't, in this time it would be, yeah, you didn't have the money for a calf. All you could bring was a dove that you found in your field and that's all you could sacrifice. Or yes, you couldn't travel far enough to get to the temple or to the tabernacle or whatever it was, but God has already given you his ear. It's a beautiful image. It's important for us to hear it. It's important for us to know that also is given to you. Even now, whatever state, whatever season your life is in, whether you've given the right burnt offerings and sacrifices or not, whether you feel like you've responded well to life's pressures or poorly, God is glad to give you God's own ear. And that hopefully means a lot to us. Hopefully that can help us climb the steps to the wailing perch again and long, right? And look even harder and hope even, I don't know, with more hopeness or something. It keeps on with that image, burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not even required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it's even written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. And so as the psalmist is reflecting on kind of what has happened to him, right? This idea of waiting, feeling like he's in a miry uh, bog. Isn't that what it said? Miry bog? Yeah. (laughs) Bog is a fun word. But in a miry bog, in a pit of destruction, right? The psalmist realizes that when God answered, God like planted him somewhere new, gave him this restart. Said, let's just, let's, you and I start over. Let me plant you here. Walk here. Here's the song in yourself that produces fruit, right? I'm gonna nurture that. You nurture it with me and create this song that comes out of you, out of your life, so that it can be a blessing for everyone else around. Because the psalmist understands too, and then to, 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 close on that, the, the, the order of that, or the, the, the way it worked, is it said, no, I, because I know that I couldn't burnt offering my way out of it. <laughs> I couldn't give the right sin offering. I couldn't pray enough. 
There was no, there was no quota to sing loud enough or to understand more or to, to learn my way out of this. It was just you being gracious, giving me your own ear. You are that good, the psalmist says. So yeah, I want to do anything you want me to do. Yes, I want your patience. Yes, I want your love. Yes, I want to be as humble as your son. Yes, I want all of those things because of what you've done for me, because of how you've responded to my longing, because of how you've responded to my patience, because I didn't have to earn it from you. You just gave it to me. You just, you just planted me out of just your kindness and being good to me. And, and that's a, a fun phrase. The psalmist seems to say, like, ah, I found myself in your book. Like, your, your words, your hopes, your dreams for the world. Now we would say the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. I have a place there? You gave me a place there? Oh, I'd love to do what my place is. I'd love to play my small role in this divine story. Yeah, let's do that. And Psalm 40 is, is screaming that at us. It's like pleading with us. Just go again to the wailing perch. Just longingly look, knowing something's coming. Something's coming. And then to enjoy this replanting. Enjoy this like, care that God gives to, to nourish us and help us to grow and produce fruit so that we're a blessing to everyone around us. And then in that, we just get to enjoy it. And no, it's not about what we do that equals this. It's not, it's not payment, right? It's just God's grace to allow us a seat at the table. God's grace to allow us purpose and joy and, and blessing. And so that's what I want us to pray about uh, before we have communion and as we have communion and as we sing two more songs in just a little bit. So here's how that works um, at Church of So Eric is going to put on uh, the screen um, a liturgy of response. And we're going to stand in just a second and say that together. Um, then we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and then what happens after that, we're going to have two songs and wherever you are in your season of life, wherever you are in your faith journey, we want you to know the table is open for you, okay? You can believe everything that I just talked about, or you can say, it's all ridiculous, and the gift of the table is still for you. And so we'd ask that whenever you feel like the time is right, in those two songs, just come and take um, uh, communion elements. There's also little baggies of gluten-free bread if that's what you need as well, okay? So let's stand together, and um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have our communion, or uh, our liturgy of response. Um, God, we, we do want very much to believe that you hear us. It's easy for us to think you lend everyone your ear but me. And partly because we think the way to you is sacrifice and burnt offerings. We feel like the only way to you is by doing enough or saying enough or being enough. And God, you're clear, that's not what you need. You just, you just want us as we are this morning, this moment. You want us to enjoy you now. And so God, I pray that we would live that kind of life. That we would enjoy you in that way. In Jesus' name.